What is up, everybody? This is the Dads in Timeout Sports Show presented by your host, Jesse Williams. I just want you to know that I have had a heck of a time trying to get everything with this crappy laptop set up, but we have everything ready to go and we are dropping a podcast tonight in real time. It is April 10th, 2022 at 6.32 p.m. If I can read right. No, it is 6.52 because I am blind. Anyways, we have a big slate coming for you today. I want to apologize for not putting out a podcast recently, but the computer and technical difficulties have been giving me a lot of problems. And I just want you to know that it is not from a lack of wanting to do the podcast that we have not. And I want you to know that we are going to keep doing this. So we have a lot of things to talk to. So let's get into it. First off, apologies. Nothing and Adam Franklin. I owe you guys a big apology. So let me give you the backstory of why I'm apologizing to two of my dear friends. So I meet a lot of Florida Gators fans, and they're all like, screw Urban Meyer, but in stronger language, right? And I'm like, man, he got you two national championships. He got you in Tebow's year to the SEC championship game. You got beat by a really good Alabama team that ended up, should have destroyed Texas in the national championship game. They still beat him, but uh, Garrett Gilbert came off the bench and made that game really close. So I never understood the dislike for Urban Meyer until he went and took a year off, and I think there were legitimate health issues. But then he goes and takes a job at Ohio State. You have the Ryan Day issue. You have Urban Meyer, a phenomenal recruiter, um, seems to be a great college coach. So then he leaves Ohio State, takes another year off. I think it was health reasons also. turned. No, not the Ryan Day issue. I'm sorry. Ryan Day's the guy that replaced Urban Meyer at Ohio State. There was um, a Smith guy. I don't remember his name, but he had like been beating his wife, and oh, Urban Meyer didn't do what he was supposed to do. There's previous podcasts where the rehab sports guys or myself talked about those issues. And so the issue became he becomes the head coach of Jacksonville. And everyone's like, well, he coached at Florida. He's got ties to the region. He's going to get Trevor Lawrence. And then we find out that he kicked his kick. It was terrible. And he's threatening assistant coaches. And the whole thing just becomes a huge go. And it started to bring light to the real person that Urban Meyer was. And it got down to he was telling assistant coaches they weren't qualified um did he hire these guys would be my question he told trevor lawrence the receiver ran a wrong route in practice an african-american receiver and he told him you gotta slow it down these guys transcript a national embarrassment as if Jacksonville wasn't already an embarrassment of a program. So with all this new information, because I've always said that I'm the guy that views that I can always have my mind changed if new evidence presents itself or if somebody presents a new evidence because evidence doesn't really just present itself. Someone has to bring this to light. And so I just view that I didn't know these things about Urban Meyer. I've always felt like there was something behind the scenes there about why people have such a disdain for Urban Meyer. He did TV for a while. Everything seemed to be okay. But 
There just seemed to be a disconnect from the entire Florida fan base, and I get it. He won national championships, Tebow retires, and he leaves. The program isn't really... I think they hired Jim McElwain after that, and then they got... Uh, who was the last coach ahead? Oh, Dan Mullen, and then I don't even... It's been so far removed from the college football season that I know that they got rid of Dan Mullen, and I'm not really quite sure who they hired to replace him. Um, I'd have to look that up. So, apologies to Bostic. Apologies to Adam Franklin. If you're listening to this, and I know, Franklin, you will be because you've been begging me to do a podcast, and I'm here for you, brother. In news related to Ohio State, I would like to shout out um, Dwayne Haskins. Um, Rest in peace. He was struck by a car and killed. Adam Schefter put out a tweet and then immediately deleted it, and people raised a big stink about it because he basically said, and Twitter can post a tweet on the timeline to get the exact tweet, and I saw the tweet, but I don't have it in front of me, where basically he said, former Ohio State standout who struggled with the Washington Commanders and the Pittsburgh Steelers was hit by a car. And it's just not the time to talk about a struggling player when he literally just died. Like, you're breaking the news and then I've and I don't know. Adam Schefter has been come on, been coming under fire as of recently for some of these comments and tweets and alleged emails between him and Gruden and Dan Snyder. I don't want to get into all that right now. We will get into some other things based on. you Florida Florida fans that tried to warn me about Urban Meyer. He was a travesty. So that was a huge dysfunction. I don't talk a lot about the Razorbacks on this podcast because the Arkansas fan base is very passionate and can be nuts at times. And it's not all of you, so if Ron and you're a Razorbacks fan, I'm not speaking to you. So Arkansas basketball, quick history lesson. They want so Nolan Richardson took over in the late 80s. He got them to a final four, I want to say in 90, an Elite Eight in 91. And then in 92, they lost in the second round. 93, they lose to North Carolina in the Sweet 16. And then in 94, they win the championship. And then they lose to Marcus Camby and UMass and John Calipari. And then the program basically. round they couldn't get out of second round he was there for seven years three tournament appearances Musselman comes in Eric Musselman the head coach of the Razorbacks you immediately see some different style of basketball because the problem with Mike Anderson is that he ran a motion offense so it was a very not technical offense and you had Musselman come in and start running NBA sets for those who don't know Eric Musselman coached in the CBA he coached in the G League he coached overseas on some of the uh, like FIBA international teams. He coached the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors and then went to Nevada, came to Arkansas. So pandemic hits, they cancel the tournament. The next year, Arkansas goes to the Elite Eight. This year, Arkansas goes to the Elite Eight. And now, Arkansas has the number two recruiting class in the country and a bunch of transfers. So I'm going to read off because I actually pulled it up. So their recruiting class... 
is Nick Smith, who is the number six national player in the country from North Little Rock, 6'4 guard. They have Jordan Walsh, who's the 18th best player in this recruiting class at 6'7. He's a forward. Then they got Darian Ford, Barry Dunning, and Joseph Pinion, who are all four stars. And they also just recently got Anthony Black, who's the 22nd best player in the country, also a five-star. So three five-star recruits. Then they add Jalen Graham from Arizona State. They add the Mitchell twins, who are both 6'9 or 6'10, depending on who you trust. And then they added Trayvon Brazil, who's also 6'9. So they added much-needed size. Um... J.D. Notay's most likely gone. Actually, he is gone. He declared for the draft, and he should. Um, his draft stock's never going to get higher, and he's not going to be able to improve his draft stock with all these incoming freshmen. Debo Davis should be back. I just saw a Facebook clip of Kamani Johnson saying he's back, and now it's basically just waiting on Jalen Williams. It looks like Adi's Tony's not coming back. Shout out to all the guys. There were some transfers. I get it. I wish them nothing but the best. So Arkansas basketball, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, and 24-7 Sports all listed Arkansas as the way too early number one team in the country going into next year. And they're across the board favorites to win the SEC regular season title. So if you followed Arkansas sports a couple years ago, we were one of the worst football programs, a mediocre basketball program, and now baseball, basketball, and football. Hunter Juracek has to be the athletic director of the year, one of the best in the country. Now, this doesn't mean that Arkansas is just going to win the national championship next year. I've listened to a lot of analysts. Shout out to 1037 The Buzz, and I think it's John Neighbors does a Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Brother, if I got your first name wrong, I apologize. He does a great job. Follow him. But he was talking a lot about that just we, we, we should have these expectations for this program. Two Elite Eights, you bring in an elite recruiting class, you bring in all these transfers. Arkansas is headed in the right direction. Must, hopefully they can get him to stay. Juracek, open up the books for this guy. The hype around the program is astounding, and Arkansas fans should be excited. I'm one of those fans that I'm no longer like, well, we'll see what happens now. If we lose in the second round, the tournament is a crapshoot. It's a one-and-done tournament. Anything can happen. But this team is loaded with size, athleticism. And then you have Devo Davis, who's been to two Elite Eights. And if Jalen Williams comes back, if Jalen Williams comes back, I think on paper this is the best team in the country. CBS Sports has it at six. No disrespect there. They have Kentucky and Arizona and UCLA. Looks like they're going to bring everybody back and be loaded. And Mick Cronin has done a great job there. And so I'll probably start watching more college basketball now that I have TV, um, Hulu Plus, um, Hulu Live TV, whatever it's called. Um, so I can actually watch some of these games and be a little more in tuned in college basketball. So that's the college stuff that we're going to do. We're going to move to the NFL the whole Brady retiring, and then he had a deal with the Miami Dolphins to be a part owner, and he was going to play there, but then the whole um, Brian Flores suit that basically, um, whatever the, the Ross's name is, I can't remember his name, but Ross is the owner of, that's his last name, he's the owner of the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross, yeah, Stephen Ross is the owner of the Miami Dolphins, and Brian Flores alleges that he was going to get paid hundreds of thousands of extra dollars to purposely lose games. Now, we need to make a distinction. 
There is a difference between tanking, where the front office basically doesn't give the coach the tools to win so they can get higher draft picks, and a different, and that's different from coaches and players purposely going out and losing games. And Brian Flores says he has a memo. He's now an assistant coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers, my favorite team. And Flores, I thought, did a great job there, too, as a limited quarterback. And this is all very interesting because, like they said, I think Joy Taylor said this. Maybe it was Colin Cowherd. If there's proof that Stephen Ross was going to, and I really hope that's that dude's name, but I don't really care. He's a billionaire. If there's proof that he was going to pay his head coach to purposely throw games, he's got to get rid of it. He can't own the team anymore. Because you just suspended Calvin Ridley for a year for making a $1,500 or $1,200 bet on a game that he wasn't even playing in while he was inactive, which still, I mean, 100% you can't do it. It it just opens up a can of worms. And with all the FanDuel and I can't remember the other one. What, what's the other one? Someone um, let me know in the comments on Twitter. It was like FanDuel and there was another one where, um, where all the gambling sites and gambling is becoming more acceptable. Players can't do it. So anyways, back to Tom Brady, he retires and all of a sudden he comes back and then boom, Bruce Arians is out the door and they're all smiling and being friendly. But at some point, Brady wanted all the keys to the kingdom. And the guy has seven Super Bowls. I mean, Cooper Cup made a great play to win that game. He stormed him back. I'm not the biggest Brady fan just because he was beating my team all those years and he was a rival. Much respect. He's the GOAT. He's the best quarterback of all time. It's not close. And, I, and, and this does not come from a place of, like, I love Tom Brady. It is not close. It is That discussion has sailed. Brady is the all-time greatest quarterback. Now, the problem is, is that the Rams keep reloading. San Francisco, if they can figure out what they're going to do between Garoppolo and Trey Lance, they're effective. Seattle's going to tank. Um Interesting to see what they do with DK Metcalf. But the NFC is pretty much the Bucks and the Rams and maybe a surprise team. The Cowboys lost too much, in my opinion. I just don't think they're well coached. So you look at the Packers. They lost Devontae Adams. What's Rodgers going to do without a number one receiver? I mean, he can do magic, but he's not been playing well in the playoffs. Arizona is going to be interesting. So, really, to me, it's the Rams, the 49ers, and the Bucks, depending on the situation at quarterback in San Francisco. And so, I thought Brady was actually retired. I kind of fell for the okie doke. I'm not shocked he came back, though, because people are still competitive. And Brady really should have been the MVP last year. I don't care what the metrics said about Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady. Was he led the league in like passing yards and passing TDs? And then, of course, let's look at the silly analytics and let's give it to Aaron Rodgers. And look, Aaron Rodgers is an all time great quarterback, postseason disappointment aside. So, Deshaun Watson, I don't even know how to address this issue because I don't think I've been on air since all the allegations broke. And now that the DAs and all of these cases have decided not to indict him, but now he's going to have to come and say what happened, which I don't understand a judge saying that because you have a constitutional right to not incriminate yourself. Listen, if Deshaun Watson did what he's accused of, he should be banned from the NFL for life. Like, you can't sexually harass, assault, um, whatever it is. And, and the thing is about, there's 22 cases, the timing was weird, but... 
it all came out around the time that he demanded a trade. So either this was already coming and it hadn't been leaked yet with all the charges. And I want to be very careful because I'm never going to say that just because they're not indicting him doesn't make him innocent. And just because women accuse him doesn't make it true. I'm not saying all women are to be not believed, but it's not my place to say. I wasn't there. If these things happened, then he should be held accountable. Now, pause, however. Let's go to the sports side of things. So we've addressed that. I love women. You should not sexually harass women. You should not put your hands on women. You should not beat women. You should not whip your penis out in front of women. You should not do things and to violate a woman's choice in her sexual activity. And if you're getting a massage, you should just get a massage and... I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm just saying that it, it's not a good look, and I don't know what to believe. I don't know what happened. So let's get to the football side of things. So there were reports that a lot of teams were interested in Deshaun Watson, who sat out all last year basically because of the ongoing investigation, and he had demanded a trade from Houston. They went with Davis Mills, and it looked like he was going to go to two New Orleans, Atlanta, or Carolina. Well, Carolina backed out, and Atlanta seemingly backed out. New Orleans signed Jameis Winston after, because initially it was stated that Cleveland was out of the Deshaun Watson talks, and then they offered him like a ridiculous amount of guaranteed money. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Deshaun Watson ends up being a Cleveland Brown while Baker Mayfield is still on the roster. And I've been hearing a lot of the Baker supporters like, he has guts and he's hardcore and he sticks it to the man. And I'm like, listen, bro, that's all well and good when you're the guy that was an underdog and you're the guy that was a walk-on at two different schools and you walked into Bob Sue's office for a chance. But Baker Mayfield never won a college football playoff game. Now, he had great success, and he was the number one overall pick. I don't think he should have been the number one pick. If I'm not mistaken, he was in the same draft class with Lamar Jackson and with Josh Allen. And there was another one I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's crazy to think that... So people are saying Baker to the Steelers. And listen... I'm not. I'm never that guy that's like, you shouldn't do commercials. Like, get all the money you can. Your money is none of my business. And it's just unfortunate because Baker couldn't get along with Hugh Jackson. Okay, Hugh Jackson was a terrible NFL coach. I think we have enough data to back that up. Then, you, then he had, I think it was Freddie Kitchens. So Freddie Kitchens gets fired and then... Greg Williams was the coach, or maybe that was flip-flopped. And then he gets Stefanski. Then uh, supposedly he had issues with Stefanski. And they're all like, he beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's like, well, when you snap the ball over the quarterback's head like the first play of the game, like the Steelers did, and then it was just a cascade. It reminded me of that Super Bowl that Peyton played against the Seattle Seahawks when he was with Denver. And, like, the same thing happened, and it was just a snowball effect from there. And so Baker did get Cleveland their first playoff win in a long time, but he doesn't have a great arm. He's supposed to be his greatest strength coming out of college was that he was accurate and didn't throw interceptions. Well, he's been turning the ball over like crazy, and he was super injured last year. Like that's important to note that Baker Mayfield was really injured last year. But do I see him as a guy that can be a starter in this league? One hundred percent. Do I think he's your long-term franchise guy? No. 
Because at some point, you have to just shut up and do your job. At some point, you have to get over the chip on your shoulder, unless you can do it like Brady does, who says all the right things in the press conference and then rips your heart out. So that's very interesting. Mitchell Trubisky to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I first heard this from my buddy Chris Perez. Shout out to you, Chris. And I was like, you heard about the Mitchell Trubisky to the Steelers? And I'm like, bro, don't play with me. And not because I hate Mitchell Trubisky or anything. It's just I was like, why are they going in this direction? The more I thought about it, the more I'm not really upset about it. And I'll tell you why. Trubisky is a very gifted athlete, which is something that Ben Roethlisberger has not been in 10 years. And I love Big Ben. Shout out to Big Ben in his retirement and getting us into the playoffs. And he did get us to the playoffs, right? Um, I can't remember how that happened. Um, I don't even remember. I know we played. I think we got. Oh, yeah, we got to the playoffs and got destroyed by the Chiefs. Yes. So, and, and w- which I expected. I mean, Big Ben just couldn't do what he needed to do anymore. First ballot Hall of Famer. So, Trubisky on a two-year contract with Mason Jones still in the building with the ability to maybe draft a quarterback because everyone's like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson who we're going to get to. And I was like, man, that's not the moves we ever make. And so, I was a little disappointed, but I have hope because you have a stellar defense. Now you have... Miles Jack from Jacksonville, who's a good run stopper. So if we can fix the run defense, the rest of the defense should be okay. You have Najee Harris coming in at running back. You lost Juju Smith-Schuster, but the, the receiving core is still good enough. You have that Pat Fryermuth, I think that's how you say his name, emerging as a tight end. This could be a borderline playoff team, and let's roll the dice and see. But I did not want Mason Rudolph as my starting quarterback under any circumstances whatsoever and so hold on i have to pull up the topic list matt ryan to the colts so they had carson Wentz last year and jim ursay obviously hates this dude's guts carson seems to be a guy that isn't accountable for his mistakes and he makes the hero play and then gets hurt and then doesn't get vaccinated, which I'm not here to tell you to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated. He just didn't get vaccinated and the owner didn't like that. And then they just fell apart. Like Indy was like one of the most dangerous teams with Jonathan Taylor and Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman and the defense was playing well. And all of a sudden they don't make the playoffs and they lose to Jacksonville who no disrespect, but is not a good football team and had every reason not to win that game. And they still ended up with the number one pick. But it's just one of those deals that the Colts were a huge disappointment. So Matt Ryan is a steady veteran who still has, I think, the ability to be a good quarterback and not make a lot of the dumb Carson Wentz mistakes. But it's very interesting to see where this is going to go because you have them and then you have Tennessee. And how long are we going to ride with this Tennessee and because um, Tennessee got Robert Woods, so now you have Robert Woods to pair with AJ Brown. No more Julio Jones, who is super injured. Derrick Henry's coming off an injury, but he's been one of the most reliable, dominant backs in the league. And I still don't really trust Tennessee's defense, but I don't know enough about their defense. So that'll be interesting. They should be in the mix, but the AFC is loaded, and I'll tell you why. Because Russell Wilson went to the Broncos. Now I have an interesting take on this. My interesting take is, 
Look at the weapons he had in Seattle. And are we sure Denver's weapons are that much better? I think they're better at the wide at the running back position. So if you take Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, and please, I hope those two guys played there last year. And you take them and you measure them up against uh, Williams and Gordon, the running backs for Denver. I think that the better options are Den- is Denver's backfield. I think Denver's defense is better because they didn't get rid of all their best players. But if you take Judy and Cortland Sutton, are they better than DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? Like, are we sure about that? Now, I would take Noah Fant over Garrett Everett, the, the tight end out of Seattle. But and, and now you went from what was the best division in football, which was the NFC West, to going to the AFC West, which is now the best division in the NFL, in my opinion. The AFC West is loaded. You've got Kansas City. You've got the L.A. Chargers. You've got the Raiders, who made the playoffs last year. And you've now got Denver with a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, been there two times. So the NFL is just going to be really, really intriguing this year. And I don't know what to expect because Russell Wilson to the Broncos sounds like a huge deal. But, and I know Tyreek, and we're going to talk about Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. So Tyreek Hill leaves the AFC West and goes to Miami. And then Devontae Adams comes to the Raiders, and I love Derek Carr. I love the human. I love him the person. I love him as a leader. I really like him as a player. I'm not going to say I love him as a player, but I've never felt like he was the issue. So now you have Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, and Hunter Renfro. Like, that seems like a really good recipe for success. Oh, and what what's their uh, – Darren Waller is tight end. That offense is loaded. Now, if they can get some of the defensive things right, that, that that division is stacked. And mind you, there's only seven playoff spots. So if we can assume that Buffalo is going to win the AFC East, um, I would pick Baltimore to win the AFC North just because Watson in a new system. I'll pick the Colts to win the AFC South, and I'll pick the Chargers to win the AFC West. That leaves three wildcard spots. You could literally get two of those because here's the funny thing. The Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Broncos, one of those teams aren't making the playoffs. And if you get Russell Wilson and you don't make the playoffs, I mean, and then you've got Pittsburgh as a shooter's chance, which I don't think they'll make the playoffs next year. The Browns could be right there. They have a super talented roster. Now, receiving is going to be interesting because they got, I don't know what Land- Jarvis Landry's status is, but no Odell Beckham. So, and then you've also got, Tennessee still in the mix and then don't forget about the Patriots and the Dolphins just got to a bunch of weapons so it's almost like it's funny because in the NBA when the East was so bad for years people wanted to reseed but no one talks about that in football like why don't we reseed the NFL playoffs because literally there's going to be three teams in the AFC that don't make the playoffs that would have made the playoffs in the NFC because let's go through it. I, do I think Carson Wentz makes Washington a playoff team? No. The Giants playoff team? No. The Eagles, borderline. Cowboys will probably win the division, though I think it's between them and the Eagles. Uh, Minnesota is just super hard to figure out because they've got a quarterback with a 
average ceiling in Kirk Cousins, but Justin Jefferson is a monster. You've got Dalvin Cook, who never plays 16 games, but is a monster. You have Adam Thielen. So they're there. You have the Justin Fields experiment. And I say experiment just because he did not have a good rookie year, but Chicago never puts together a great offense. And then you got the Lions, who are the Lions. Okay, let's go to the AFC South. It's basically the Bucks. I Jameis might be able to get New Orleans um, to the playoffs. I'm not saying he won't, and, it, and it's attainable. But what's Carolina going to look like? Are they bringing back Sam Darnold? Are they bringing back Cam Newton? Like, what's their quarterback situation looking like? Are they going to get a quarterback in this draft? I don't think any of these guys in this draft, so Matt Coral or Corral or every say his name out of Ole Miss, Kenny Pickney, Malik Willis, I don't think, and then um, I think there's a Sam Howell, I think, out of North Carolina. I don't think any of these guys are ready to start immediately, and I don't think any of them for sure can lead a team to the playoffs their first year, which isn't a bad thing. But if you're a team that needs a quarterback, and then we already talked about the AFC West, and we'll see what Arizona does. So there's literally, like, if the Broncos miss the playoffs, if you put the Broncos in the NFC, do you think they make the playoffs? Because I do. I think that if you put Oakland in the NFC, I think they make the playoffs. Or not Oakland, I'm sorry, Las Vegas. Um, these teams move and I've been saying their names for so long. And so um, we talked about Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. Mentioned Carson Wentz. I don't really think that puts them over the hump. But they've got intriguing weapons. Intriguing weapons. Washington is a team that now, do I think that Carson Wentz is better than um, Taylor Heineke? Yes. Okay, so, and we already kind of mentioned the quarterbacks in the draft. I've actually accidentally hit some topics on my list out of order. Um, Coach K. So, Coach K, it was announced at the beginning of the year that this would be his last year, and Duke had a really good season. They made it to the Final Four. They beat my team, Arkansas, in the Elite Eight, and I looked at that game, and I thought Duke was going to win the national championship. Well, they play North Carolina, who seemingly the last two... Because remember, the first time Duke played North Carolina, they beat the brakes off of them. And the Duke-North Carolina thing has always been weird to me because I've always liked both teams, and I've never even been to North Carolina, right? Like, UNC because of Jordan, and um, Sam Worthy went there, and you had Dean Smith, and then you had Roy Williams coaching there, and you had... Vince Carter and Anton Jameson and just a slew of players that I liked in North Carolina. And then you had Duke who had Grant Hill and Christian Leitner and Kyrie Irving. And you had um, – who, who who was on that championship team for Duke when they had all those freshmen? It was like Jaleel Okafor and um, – uh, I, I can't remember names right now, but they had the point guard that that's still in the NBA. Uh, yeah, whatever. My buddy can help me out, but – they just had stacked teams. Carlos Boozer went there. J.J. Reddick went there. Um, you just – because if I actually did a list, and I was going to go over this, of like the great players, that NBA players that came out of North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky. And Kentucky has so many dudes that are still in the NBA right now, it's ridiculous. But anyway, so Coach K goes to the Final Four and loses to North Carolina to Hubert Davis in his first year, and then Kansas goes and beats North Carolina – and somebody made a joke, is this the academic fraud university versus the we pay players to play here, Adidas University, because you have the issue with Bill Self. But here's the thing, like, so they, 
accused of breaking rules um self with adidas and then north carolina had an academic scandal where they were like putting dudes in like fraud classes so basically they were like making sure they all had like the super easy classes and it was just like a grade scam um of course no one got the death penalty and my thing is is why i've always liked the pros over college is because I've always cared way more about the basketball than I did about, and, and I care about academics. Academics are super important, but I'm a sports fan. I'm not an academic podcaster, so I'm not going to sit here and talk about GPAs and all this. And I get it. There are rules and there are amateurs, but now we have NIL and the transfer portal. So now it's okay for Jimbo Fisher to go out there and buy the number one recruiting class in the country. Jimbo, I don't care what you're saying you bought. And I'm not even mad at him. Like, hey, look, if you have the resources, because A&M, for their lack of national championships, is a football-proud university. Like, they will spend the money. Like, College Station will spend the money, and they got Jimbo Fisher, and they're doing whatever it takes to build something. But, like, five years ago, like, everyone would have lost their jobs over this. It's kind of like the whole gambling thing. It's like... And it's like smoking the smoking weed. Like now, the NFL said they're not going to test players. So, like, so are you going to say it's okay for Josh Gordon to come back into the league? And are you? I mean, he's back in the league, right? But like, is he going to be allowed to drink a beer now? Because the the drug testing stuff in the NBA is absolutely ridiculous. It's like, hey, like you failed for a positive marijuana test, but now if we catch you drinking a beer on the golf course, you're in violation of your reinstatement and we're gonna ban you from the nfl like it's the most ridiculous thing now the josh gordon thing is a little different because he admitted that he was like drinking and smoking weed like before the game to deal with anxiety like you can't have dudes out there drinking and going to playing football like i've yeah it's it's not a it's not a good look it's not safe and i understand it but and I'm not even saying I'm pro-marijuana, I'm anti-marijuana. I'm saying it's 2022, it's basically been decriminalized, and you've got guys, like Josh Gordon was out of the league for two years for substance abuse, and you had guys that like literally kicked girls in the legs, and Greg Hardy, who had all the guns on the table and the horrific details of that, and like uh, Ricky Incognito, and all these other, like, uh, Richie Incognito, whatever that dude's name was. Like, all this stuff going on. I'm like, bro, like, these penalties and this makes no sense whatsoever. Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And so, I went on a little rant and I didn't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, the Coach K legacy. And, oh, yeah, because I was making the joke about the, the national championship game. But Coach K has now, I think, like the most tournament wins ever. I think he beat Wooden by one, or he tied John Wooden. Oh, no, 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 no. He, if he would have gotten to the national championship, I think he tied, I think he passed Wooden for like the most Final Fours or like the most championship game appearances or whatever. No, no, Wooden has that by a mile. I think it was a number of Final Fours. I think he passed him, but then they lost. But Coach K, great legacy. I mean, you see him screaming and doing all the stuff on the sidelines, but I have never, ever found a Duke player that does not swear by Coach K. I mean, in the dude's last game, like 101 players showed up, ex-players. Like, And I'm sure there's other people that like would have made it, but like they probably had a cutoff list like, like, I'm sorry. Um, and John Shire was actually one of the dudes that was a former player, but he's on the bench, right? And you have Jeff Capel, who might have been coaching somewhere else. Um, so it's just, it's amazing how long Coach K coached. And someone made a good point. We're never going to have a coach coach this long again at one program. It's just not going to happen. The only person who could maybe get close is Jay Wright at Villanova. Um, 
But like, who's gonna do this? Like, he's he's the all-time wins leader. I don't think that record will be touched. And college basketball. I mean, and the thing is, is K won. How many championships did K win? He won back to back in '91 and '92. Then he won one in the late '90s, so that was three. He won the one in 2010, and then he won one a couple years ago. And so he's got five. But he's like been to like ten or something like that. It's ridiculous because I mean, you got to think he. He lost like his first two national championship games. He lost to Arkansas in 94. He lost like one or two other ones. And he very easily could have lost some more. But still, great career. Um, is he the GOAT? I'm not sure. Like John Wooden. And and maybe recruiting was so different back then. It's kind of like the Bill Russell thing. Like, bro, like your only competition really at your position was Wilt Chamberlain. And Wilt Chamberlain, if he would have maxed his effort out, should have been the best basketball player of all time. So I'm not willing to say that Coach K is the GOAT coach. I still hold John Wooden with 10 titles in that esteem. But, I mean, he was he was getting everything. But what Coach K did do was go to the pros. And what I mean by go to the pros is coaching the Olympics. And he was able to transition from the we don't get the one-and-done guys to getting the one-and-done guys, but also being able to bring players back and have a nice healthy mix in there so he wasn't, just one-sided um i'm gonna miss coach k i already miss roy williams um i miss bobby knight it's really sad to read the stories about the rift that seemingly never gonna end between bobby knight and coach k it's really sad because i really wish that bobby knight would have just been there for coach k for the long haul and so but congratulations to coach k let's get to the nba the Lakers suck. I'm a LeBron James fan. Always have been on the court. And there's still things he does. Like, I was really a big LeBron James fan. And then he came to L.A. And it's just, it hasn't been the same. He did win the bubble title. It's a legit title. Because if anyone else would have won it, you wouldn't have been like, well, they just won the bubble title. No, y'all just do that to LeBron. But they went and got Russell Westbrook, which I don't know why anybody thought that would work. And people are like, triple-double, triple-double. Yeah, put him in the Hall of Fame, but he's not a winning player. Like, And I'm not saying that he's a losing player, but he's not a legitimate winning player in the NBA. He's never learned to shoot. He doesn't – like, yeah, he gets a lot of assists because he always has the ball in his hand. But, like, have you ever made, seen Russell Westbrook make a pass and be like, man, that was some, like, eyes in the back of his head stuff? No. He's always been with great players. And this isn't, like, to knock Westbrook. Westbrook should have never been on this team. Then you had a bunch of old dudes and a bunch of guys who just didn't play defense. They got rid of um, Kyle Kuzma, which I thought they should have got rid of Kuzma, but they should not have gotten rid of KCP. They should not have gotten rid of Alex Caruso. They're going to fire freaking Frank Vogel. And it's like, well, like who, who out there is going to make these dudes play defense? LeBron was hurt. AD's hurt. AD never seems like he's in a hurry to get back. That's my issue with Anthony Davis. It's not the fact that he gets hurt a lot. It's the, well, you know, when I get back, I'll get back kind of attitude he seems to have and I'm not saying that he doesn't want to win but it just seems like the dudes never I, I just I've known guys that like T.O. when T.O. hurt his foot in Philadelphia the year they went to the Super Bowl that dude did everything humanly possible to get ready and get back in the Super Bowl and he balled out in the Super Bowl now you can talk about T.O. and his attitude and the team obliterator and all that but when it came to his body and putting himself in a position to get ready for the season that dude was ready to go man we have covered a lot of stuff let me tell you so 
The Lakers suck. I don't know what they should do. I don't know if they should trade Anthony Davis because when Anthony Davis and LeBron James are right and you have the right pieces around them, like they were the prohibitive favorite two years ago and then they got hurt. They were like the number one seed and then LeBron goes down and AD and they had like the number one defense in the NBA. Like it just happens. And some of this might be that LeBron has gotten so used to just getting to the playoffs because when you're in the East, okay, the lowest seed you're going to be is the four seed. So they can kind of, and they own those teams in the East. And yeah, they had some of their struggles later. But when you get to the West, it's like, bro, like if you're the seven seed or the eight seed, you're playing Golden State or Phoenix or Denver, like really, really, really good teams. And so you can't just coast through the regular season because now they have this play-in tournament. And so you finish in the seven seed, you lose freaking one game, you're out. Because, or no, 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 like the seven seed. So like, okay, so the winner of the seven and eight seed automatically makes the playoff. And then if you lose that game, then you have to go play the winner of the of the nine ten game. You can just be out the playoffs. It's not just a, oh, we can be the seven seed. We can make something happen. Like, nah, you got to play at least one game. And let's say that you're the nine or ten seed. Then you got to play two games just to get into the playoffs. The other teams are already rested. So, um... Lesson learned for LeBron. And does this hurt his legacy? No. He's going to be the all-time leading scorer. Four MVPs. Four finals MVPs. Four championships. Ten finals appearances. And the the run that LeBron went on for ten years will overlap any of this. Oh, and by the way, he's like the first or second leading scorer in the NBA in his 19th season in the league. So, yeah, his legacy is going to be fine now on a personal. Like when people talk about his leadership and his commitment to the defensive end, these are going to be the nitpicky things that I believe will never allow him to be the GOAT. But another discussion for another day. I'm not talking about Jordan versus LeBron while I'm talking about Jordan versus LeBron. But y'all can have that discussion. It doesn't matter. So what? LeBron's the second or third best player of all time. He lived up to his hype. Like, if you go back and look at the teams he lost to in the NBA Finals, minus the Mavericks in 2011, they're all easily like, okay, like, what was he really supposed to do in some of these series? So, um, that's crazy. Um, The NBA MVP race I wanted to talk about for a minute. I don't want this podcast to go on too, too long. But... I think Jokic is going to win it. It seems like all signs are pointing there, and he's like the first dude ever with like 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists. It's hard not to win the MVP, and they've had no Jamal Murray and no Michael Porter Jr., and the rest of that team is really not that good, and he's got them at like the number... I don't even know what seed they are, because I know Phoenix is one. I think they're... I don't know what seed them dudes are, but I think they might be the number two seed. Um... Because I think Golden State and Dallas are vying for three and four. And then I think Utah's five or six. I haven't looked up the standings. In fact, we'll just pull it up real quick because we have that kind of time. But the any, anyways, the thing about Jokic is he's going to win the MVP. But if I'm Joel Embiid, I'm like, dude, what the hell do I got to do to win an MVP around here? Like, he might end up being the leading scorer on a fourth seed team in a deeper East than we've seen in years and he's just going to finish second every year in the MVP. And here's the reason that's a big deal is because when it comes to, oh, no, Memphis. So Phoenix is one, Memphis is two, Golden State's three, Dallas is four, Utah's five, and Denver is six. But Denver is like within, if the season was still on, they're only four games back of Golden State. 
They're only three games back of Dallas. Obviously, they don't have enough games to catch that up. So my question is, is Devin Booker is now John Morant doesn't get hurt because I think the MVP conversation for a long time was between Jokic, between Embiid, Giannis, John Morant. You could throw Luka in there and then no one talks about Devin Booker, but it's I think the reason that no one talks about Devin Booker as MVP is no one really feels like he carries that team. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think that team is so good. They went and got backup centers because that was their issue against Milwaukee in the playoffs. It's like they only had one center. If that one center went down or got in foul trouble, they were really thin on their front line. But as a team with Monty Williams, congratulations to him. He's done a phenomenal job, even when CP3 was out. So I think Jokic should win the MVP. But it's almost like we need to put something in the history books. And it's like, by the way, um, Joe Ellen Bead has no MVPs, but in any other year. We've had this conversation on this pod before about dudes who could have won MVPs in years that they just so happened that somebody that year had a historically amazing year. And so they didn't win MVP, and that became the issue. And so when you look at Joe Ellen Bead and you look at Hall of Fame credentials, and he was the best, one of the best big men in the game at his time, it's like, well, this other dude, Jokic, was just carrying a franchise that has no business being as good as they are i mean they're the number six seed and they're 15 games over 500 i mean that's ridiculous bro like in minnesota's 11 games over 500 and they're in the play-in so that just tells you once again the west is deep the playoffs i honestly as good as now i said all i said this is all deep right now memphis can give people real problems I really think it's going to be a rematch of the finals last year. I think Milwaukee got that monkey off their back. I think the Suns are their most complete team. I don't trust Miami just because they don't have that one I can take over the game for a whole series guy. Jimmy Butler is really good. Hero's been having a great bounce back here. I'm really glad he did. I think I said that on a podcast before. He really stepped his game up. Um, the Bulls, I mean, they're the sixth seed in the East right now, and they were the number one seed now, mind you. That it's kind of jumbled right there. And there's a freaking car alarm going off. And I hope this doesn't pick it up. I wish they'd fix that. Boston is scary, but I just don't think they have the complete team to beat Milwaukee. Um, Brooklyn, too many injuries. Now, Brooklyn, if Brooklyn gets hot on offense and it, with, with um, Kevin Durant and Kyrie, it could be a totally different issue. Um, Golden State, I thought, was a title contender early in the year. I don't think Dallas has enough complimentary pieces. I just I just don't think they do. Luka can only do so much now. Do I think Dallas will win a series? If Dallas is the four seed in place, Utah, I think they'll beat them in five. Quinn Snyder gets fired. I don't think he's a good coach, but then he's going to go to the Lakers. Uh and then it, it all depends on the play-in. Like, you have the Clippers coming in, but without Kawhi, they're not as dangerous. So I just think it's going to be Phoenix and Milwaukee. And I want to pick Phoenix because I want Chris Paul to get a ring. I want Monty Williams to get a ring. Phoenix has literally been the best team for the last two years plus the bubble. But, man, Milwaukee, if Giannis goes into Giannis mode and with Grayson Allen there as your little hard-nosed dude off the bench, if he don't do nothing dirty... It should be interesting. Well, we have gone straight for like 45 minutes just raining and raving about sports. So we're going to call it quits. I'm glad to be back. It looks like the program lasted all the way through. This has been another episode. Oh, real quick before I go. There is a new podcast that one of my that a couple of my buddies are doing and 
I think y'all should check it out. And it is called Brutal Humor. It is two guys from my job and then a dude I've never met before. Now, I will tell you that this podcast is ridiculous. Like, if you don't like foul language and you don't like uh, brutal humor, you might want to be careful. But I want to shout out my buddy Matt Higgins. And I want to shout out my buddy uh, James Marr. I think that's how you say his name. Two good friends of mine. They just started a podcast. They're dope. You should check them out. Um, Give them a listen. I might end up on that show one day. Um, It's been talked about. So I want them to get their shine first. So you can find them on Spotify. Um, And they do it through Anchor. So they may be on like the Google and all the other stuff too. So this podcast will be on Google. And it will also be on... I'm sorry. This podcast will be on Anchor, Spotify, Apple google and like podcast or podbean and Castbox and all those other little podcast things and no no disrespect to them if you have those listen on there but uh, most people seem to have spotify or apple music or, or itunes or whatever apple does over there i'm a samsung android guy to the day i die so check me out on twitter at j will sports guy um I'm not super active on there, but I'm going to tag a million of you so y'all can listen to this podcast. It has been a blast. I'm glad to be back. Hopefully, we can do at least one a week. I don't want to oversaturate it. Um, I didn't even talk about Tiger. Uh, Tiger's back. I'm glad that he's um, back and he still has one of his legs that he thought he was going to lose. He didn't play particularly well after the first day, but just the fact he was out there is good for golf. Um, Yeah, and... We will let someone else talk about Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith because I'm over it, and let's just say that, yeah, y'all discuss that. So anyways, this has been another episode of Dads in Time Out by your host, me, Jesse Williams, and until next time, peace out, God bless.